to Flick the Kettle On, a podcast brought to you by igrain.com.au. This week, Tom Roberts chats to Andrew Kelso about how things are shaping up coming into this year's harvest. They discuss factors impacting on new crop pricing and what to look at if you still have old crop stocks left to sell. It's short and sweet and well worth the listen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you find this useful. All righty. Good morning, Andrew. Um, thank you very much for joining us once again. Uh, we're just looking, this podcast, we're just looking to get a bit of a summary on the market, where things are at, where things are going. Uh, a bit of a general, we'll just keep it sort of market orientated and try to be informative as possible. Uh, we'll try and keep it short and sweet and we'll just sort of, um, a, a bit of a summary, Andrew, uh, what we're being asked a lot on the phone at the moment is, um, obviously we're talking to a lot of people who have still got little bits and pieces of old crop grain still in silos. Um, so, you know, is, is just a bit of commentary around where you think the market's at at the moment versus where the market's kind of heading. Sure. Good morning, everyone. Look, in terms of what's happening with old crop grain prices, now that September and spring's almost upon us, we've essentially got a situation now where old crop prices have basically all but folded into new crop prices. So. Certainly in the southern states, that's probably already uh, almost upon us or we're getting very close to it. Uh, in the north, um, it's been a bit more slowly happening, but what we have to bear in mind is that the harvest is probably only a month away in the north from commencing. So, and no one's really chasing a lot of old crop grain at the moment. Uh, none of it's going overseas. Um, maybe there is some old crop wheat and barley that's going into containers here in Victoria. But, you know, really there isn't a lot of old crop demand. Everyone's waiting for new crop prices to come on, uh, new crop grain to come on stream because that's going to be, allow them to get new seasons grain at better prices. So, look, look, if there's a premium still there for old crop grain, I'd be grabbing it. Um, because once the hectares start to roll, any premiums will quickly disappear. And I think we've uh, mentioned on a number of occasions over, over past um, times that, you know, the market doesn't wait for the new season's grain to become available before it starts to reflect what pricing of any grain you're still sitting on. So. There's a premium in the market today, and there's still a little bit of a premium between New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, my thinking is that it's probably worth grabbing rather than waiting and waiting and hoping that prices are going to improve because we might touch on it in, a little bit later on. And, uh, but we're going to have a big crop from Queensland, maybe not as good in Queensland as we first hoped, but we're going to have a very big crop in New South Wales, we've had some good rain this weekend through Victoria and South Australia and West Australia after being very dry has had some very good rainfall and they've largely caught up and uh, they're now thinking that there's going to be another big crop in West Australia this year. So uh, that needs to be factored in to anyone that's still sitting on a bit of old crop grain. Yeah, we certainly saw the back end of last week prices kind of, you know, bids becoming harder to find at that, you know, getting that premium. The downs market seemed to come off quite a bit and hard to find bids. 
um, you know, late last week. I, I mean, it, it might have come off 30, 40, maybe even 50 bucks last week. So um, for barley, I'm talking. So, yeah, I think those guys with the old crop, it's probably, um, yeah, like you say, if there's a premium there, you, you, you'd want to look pretty hard at it, I think. Yeah, look, I think that's right. And look, as I say, we're almost in September. You know, people have probably got two or three weeks of rain uh, coverage. Um, that'll get them through till mid-September. You know, they probably need rain to get them through till the end of September. But everyone's just buying hand to mouth. No one's in any rush at the moment because they can look over the fence and they can see there's there's good crops there. Uh, everything else being considered, they're going to yield well. Then it's a question of you know what happens thereafter. But you know the the and interestingly in terms of the crop size for the next crop, you know the bureau came out last week and I'm sure most growers are aware of this. They've uh, lifted um, the forecast for a La Nina to alert level, so they're now suggesting that there's a 70% probability that we might get better than average rainfall for that September to November period. So. That will do one of two things. If that forecast eventuates, we'll get good rainfall through the spring, which will be positive for yields. Uh, the only unknown, of course, is that if the rains keep coming through harvest, then that might have an impact in terms of the quality should the rains continue well into and through harvest. So we just need to watch that. But it's the first La Nina um, forecast since 2013-14, so we don't often have that sort of forecast from the Bureau. So, um, And the other adage that often uh, people talk about, of course, when it comes to grain is that big crops tend to get bigger. So we just need to be mindful of that. So uh, we might actually have more grain than even the, the current forecast is suggesting. So where does that... Certainly the case in Western Australia where you know, a couple of months ago people were getting somewhat nervous. Today they're sort of back to, you know, a very large crop again in Western Australia. And, and as I keep saying, we're now going to have a much bigger crop through South Australia, Victoria, and especially in New South Wales. And we've got, we're going to have here in Australia have a lot of grain to export over the next 12 months. And, you know, we're going to struggle to move it all within... 12-month cycle, so you know, growers, we're going to have to think about you know, how growers manage their, their grain over the next 12 months because we probably won't be able to move it um, in one calendar year, I don't think so. Mm. So where does that bring us with um, new crop prices, Andrew, with the crop sort of, you know, reasonable size and potentially growing and a reasonable forecast? Um, you know, like you say, markets are very good at looking ahead. Where, where do you see sort of new crop pricing? There doesn't seem to be many overly active on it. Uh, we've been selling bits and pieces, but um, where do you see the current prices, and what do you what do you sort of think of them, giving giving everything you've just you've just mentioned? I guess there's a couple of things there to think about, Tom. I, I guess in the north, uh, the the what there was some news out last week just in terms of cattle on feed. Cattle on feed numbers were still very strong. So over a million tonnes of cattle still on feed. So that's positive from a domestic consumption point of view. So, you know, that, that, that should hold up in terms of demand for barley, I think. 
course, the, you know, by all consumers, they can see that there's a lot of grain coming their way. So the expectation from the consumer side is that you know, prices will be lower. Uh, the one, you know, what, what's clearly happened and, and the big change from this time for today compared to this time 12 months ago is that, you know, we had to, as everyone knows, certainly through New South Wales and Queensland, we had to bring grain in from Western Australia, South Australia and even overseas to keep up with the demand for grain. That's clearly not the case this year. So we've moved from situation where we had import parity pricing 12 months ago to we've gone full circle and we're now pricing grain to the grower at export parity pricing. And what that means is that Australian prices now are pitched at a level that allows, whether it's wheat or barley or canola, to be priced at a level that can compete into overseas markets. So if you look at where the grower bids are today for new crop prices. They are at levels that everything else being equal should allow Australian wheat and barley and canola to be priced and shipped and exported overseas through 2021. So, and and the pleasing thing is, albeit you know, the price points have changed, but you know the the big trading companies should be willing to buy grain from the farmers because it is priced at level, they're the, where the price points are today, they're at levels that allow export sales to be made. So whether that's wheat, barley or canola. Into Southeast Asia, you know, Australia's lost a fair bit of ground uh, and more broadly into Asia, particularly from a wheat point of view over uh, the last couple of years because we just haven't had the quantities of wheat to meet their requirements. and. We've lost market share, but this will be the year where we can hopefully regain some of that market share. The Asian markets do and like do like Australian wheat. They have a preference for it, and if it's priced competitively, then there's no reason why we can't regain some market share there. You know, we've discussed before, barley's a different story. The Chinese have put a tariff on Australian barley, so it basically blocks out... Um, Australian barley going to China over the next couple of years. So that means we have to find alternative markets. Um, uh, but from a price competitiveness point of view, Australian barley does work back into the Middle East and particularly into Saudi Arabia. So again, you know, the price points where they are does give Australia the opportunity to win export business into Saudi when they next start tendering for barley. And their next tender probably will be uh, calling for a shipping period that aligns itself with uh, new crop availability from Australia. The one positive then, you know, just back on China for a moment, the one positive, I, I guess, and it might not uh, have an immediate impact from a barley point of view, but if there is one positive, the Chinese have been very active over the last few months buying grain. They've bought a lot of soybeans from the US. They do every year. They also buy a lot of soybeans from South America, but there have been very big buyers of US corn, more than 6 million tonnes uh, year to date. But they have been buying US sorghum, and that possibly opens the door and an opportunity as we look further out for perhaps Australian sorghum uh, in March and April next year. Uh, 
if the Chinese are still there showing an appetite to buy sorghum. And they have also been buying wheat. They've been an active buyer of US wheat. Uh, they've been buying a lot of French wheat. And certainly the market believes they have been uh, put their toe in the water and they've bought some new crop Australian wheat for January forward shift. So you know, China might just be a market that we hadn't factored in in terms of buying a lot of wheat, but they, yeah, they might surprise us in 2021. So. Yeah, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of regaining export competitiveness into Asia. And, you know, if the Chinese are there and continue and want to continue to be there buying wheat, then as we move into 2021, then, you know, that does provide a little bit of hope that maybe we see some improvement in prices as we move into 2021. Mm. So, Andrew, what would be the other things, and given we're, we're back to a, a more normal type year, exportable surplus, you know, we've had these last couple of years where we've been um, in very much a drought market, so we've been looking at different indicators. What, what, what would we be looking at from here moving forward in the international market? What are some of the things that we should be keeping an eye on that may influence prices over the next couple of months to harvest? Uh, there's a couple of things that, you know, look, global markets, to be honest, have been sort of bouncing along uh, re at reasonably low levels for the last number of months, if not the last couple of years. And we've had, you know, we've had some big crops overseas, e even when we've had uh, limited crops here in Australia. And that, that's changed in a small way over this uh, Northern Hemisphere harvest. I guess a couple of things have happened. We've got uh, French and Europe, the French and European wheat crops, one of the smallest for a number of years, and so we probably won't see the same uh, export activity out of Europe that we have in recent years. They're, they're crops back 10 or 15 million tonnes year on year, so we're seeing reasonably strong European prices at the moment, and that's just a function of the that they don't have as much wheat to export this year compared to last year. And that's actually flowed through into slightly stronger prices in Russia. Russia's got a bigger crop year on year, but you know, they're, they're sensing and they're, they're aware that you know, they don't have the same uh, competitive activity to compete against out of Europe. So we're actually, even with a bigger crop in Russia, we're seeing some we're seeing a firming in Russian wheat prices, which is positive. And of course, uh, the sperm of their prices, are, that, that can flow into some improved prices back here in Australia. Uh, we're not seeing that just yet, but what we would hope to see is that a lot of the Russian wheat exports are completed in this July to December period. So when new season's wheat becomes available in Australia for January forward shipment. Yeah, maybe there's not as much competition from Russia. And, um, and the other country that's sort of struggling this year, which is also a major competitor in a normal year is Argentina. It appears that their crop is going to be lower year on year. So, so we do potentially have a situation where, you know, two, come, two parts of the world that Australian wheat tends to often competing against. Europe and Argentina will have smaller crops, so so that should um, become a little clearer as we move through the net, through the spring and into our harvest period. 
So, look, there is the possibility um, that might, we might see some improvement in prices as we get closer to harvest and as we move into 2021. So, uh, the market's not sort of pricing that way just at the moment, but, you know, we've got four or five months to go before we really have to weigh up and see what might happen uh, later this year. All right, well, that's very good. Um, I guess the last one is, you know, with, with where prices are at the moment, where you can forward sell grain at the moment, where do you see that versus what, you know, where's your crystal ball at, at harvest time? Are we, are we, if everything stays the same as it is now, are we tracking to a lower trend at harvest, at harvest time or are we sort of, you know, are we about on par with where we're seeing prices today or what are your, what are your thoughts there? I think at the moment, you know, as I touched on before, you know, Australian prices, whether they be wheat or barley and canola, we're, we're, we're pricing at export parity today. So the drivers in terms of where prices will uh, finish up as we move into harvest, and as I said before, I think, you know, globally prices, you know, they've sort of been bouncing along at at levels that you know you would argue at historically low levels, so I'm, I don't sense that there's a lot more downside in global prices, and because we're at export parity, I think the sort of prices that we sort of are on offer today probably don't have a lot more downside. Um, so, and then the upside, as I said, will be driven by whether we can see some improvement in international prices as we move through the back end of 2020. Uh, the, uh, uh, another consideration of, of which is always important to factor in, particularly now that we've moved back to an exportable surplus, is what does our currency do? Uh, the Australian dollar has you know, been reasonably strong over the last month or so. It's back 71, 72 cents today. So obviously if the dollar was to continue to firm, then we have to factor that in, you know, if it was to fall away uh, and fall back below 70 cents and back towards the mid-60s, then obviously that would be positive for prices, but certainly at the moment, you know, the bias I think is to everyone thinking that once we move out of this COVID environment that we're in, that you know, we get our economy back up and running, then maybe our dollar has the potential to firm. So that could be a dampener on where prices are at harvest time, so we need to monitor that as well. And then invariably what will happen with prices, and particularly the different, you know, whether it's multiple feed barley or the different grades of wheat as we come to harvest time, you know, as I touched on before, we'll just need to be mindful of, you know, the forecast of the La Nina and what that might do to the grade spreads. So, you know, obviously at the moment the, the premiums and the discounts that are on offer probably aren't going to be reflective of what invariably might happen at harvest time. So, you know, I, I probably don't see there to be any advantage in locking in grade spreads at the moment if you don't see them offering any any firm attractiveness in terms of the differentials that are on offer. So I'd probably have to suggest that, you know, maybe you should be waiting for harvest time until you know what the grain and the quality of grain that you have. As I said before, you know, bigger crops tend to get bigger and the better yields you get, you know, certainly from a wheat point of view, it doesn't necessarily 
transpose into getting good protein in your wheat crops. So, you know, it's, it's a bit hard to evaluate right at the moment as to how that might play out. But, but you know, in, in summary, I do think we're probably, I can't envisage prices falling away a lot further from where we're seeing them today. You know, a few things have to go right before we see some step up in prices by harvest time. But you know, there's just a couple of things pointing to yeah, maybe we might see some improved prices over the next few months. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Mm. All right, that's good. Um, just on your on the pricing, not fixing the spreads. What about? Um, you know, last time we had that wet year, I think it was probably 2010, we saw right at harvest time the feed, the, the spread to feed kind of crash. Is it worth considering with the forecast trying to lock in the downside risk on the feed spread? Or what do you think of the feed spread currently? Uh, look, I, to be honest, I don't know what it is off the top. top I'm not sure what the various companies are proposing with their spreads at the moment, so I'd have to have a closer look just to see what they are. But I think you're down to about 40, 50 bucks down to feed. Yeah, look, it's hard to imagine that it's going to go, yeah, a lot of things have to go wrong at harvest time, and it'd have to be a super wet harvest, but I would suggest for it to get a lot lower than that. So, yeah, obviously, I guess we'll just have to monitor how the harvest, how the Spring progresses from this, um, you know, this uh, forecast La Nina event, I think. But you know, no, normally uh, yeah, to be minus 40 or 50, you know, we've seen in, in the drought years that you know, wheat's become wheat and there's been no differential for feed wheat. So I, I think everyone's just been a bit conservative to look with where they've set the spreads today. So I probably, I'm not sure that you need to be sort of factoring that in just at the moment. Right. All right. Well, that's some good tips and that's some good information. You know, there may be some, you know, maybe things are kind of stabilising on the lower side and maybe there is some upside in the next short while if a few things do go right. Um, so thanks, as always, Andrew. Thank you very much for your time. And, you know, we always put you on the spot. And there's, there's not much sort of um, background here. We just throw you throw you in the deep end and give you the questions off, off the cuff. So thank you very much for your knowledge and answering them. And, um, yeah, thanks very much for your time. Uh, my pleasure, Tom, and uh, fingers crossed that everything works, uh, goes okay over the next few months for all the growers out there. We do get some good spring rainfall, we get good good yields, and we end up having a favourable harvest. And fingers crossed that we see some improvements in prices between now and the time that everyone's got to make their sell start thinking about their selling decisions. Mm. Very good. Thank you very much, Andrew. Pleasure, Tom.